Hey guys, welcome to Rankin' Vile, the podcast where we attempt to rank every single horror movie ever. And on this episode, we have uh, actor, producer, and star of Pool Party Massacre, Drew Marvick. How's it going, man? Fantastic. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh my god, thank you for coming on. Thanks for being on the show. It's really awesome. Um, And this is Quincy. Right, yeah. And this is Ryan, obviously. Um, Do do we just need to stop trying to introduce (laughs) ourselves? Is it like a foregone conclusion? Yeah. I, I feel like uh, generally we sort it turns into a vaudeville routine where we both try to introduce ourselves and uh, hilarity ensues. So we should just uh, assume that everybody listening probably knows who we are at this point. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. So Drew, um, the question that we uh, like to uh, open with uh, for guests is, how did you get into horror? Like, what's your what's what's your horror pedigree? Like, where'd you start with horror? Oh Jesus! Well, I've, I've, everyone probably says that. Like, oh Jesus! I don't know. Um, <laughs> So just like everyone else, oh, Jesus, I'm not sure. But I feel like (laughs) horror's just kind of always been a part of my life. I mean, my mom was a horror fan growing up, or when I was growing up at least. And and from her stories when she was growing up as well. So I think a lot of it comes from that. She wasn't like a super fan. She didn't wear wear black shirts and dye her hair black or anything like that. She was a typical soccer mom, but she was a big Hitchcock fan and a horror fan. So... I think it's a combination of that and the fact that she had no filter, no like no uh, <laughs> like built-in censorship. So she would bring home movies that the local video, the clerk at the local video store recommended, and mm-hmm. show them to me. Like it, whether it was horror or like Police Academy two, like it didn't matter. Whatever it was, she'd be like, "Hey, you know, Kelly at Video Lake said that this movie is really good." You should check it out with your friend. With your friends here, I'm gonna go play tennis, and so <laughs> I discovered most of them that way. And she, we also like like a lot of families. Probably, I imagine most families had um, like a double VCR setup where she would record rented movies. Oh yeah. So, so she would she would go and rent five or six movies, bring them all home, record them onto VHS tapes. And then return all the movies the next day, so there was a one-day rental, and then we would watch them over the next week, and then the next week she would go and rent five or six more, recopy them, and if she hated them, then they'd go in a pile where she'd record over them, and it was just this like vicious cycle of her illegally recording movies onto VHS tapes. The perfect crime. Yes, exactly. It was. I, I didn't know it was a crime. I just knew we had a, a wall, a gigantic wall in our game room full of VHS tapes, and oh, man. all of them had, you know, two, three, four movies on them. And she would try to, like, comically, like, try to pair them. But she wouldn't necessarily, <laughs> like, necessarily know because she hadn't watched, like, most of them she hadn't watched yet. So she might pair them based on an actor or, like, a, some commonality in the title, which m- made these, like, really weird cassettes where I might pick one up to watch, like, Ernest scared stupid and then for some reason like Nightmare on Elm Street would be right after because they're both <laughs> a kind of or, or Halloween too like that's Halloween theme just like Ernest scared stupid we'll throw that on there so yeah, hocus pocus and then uh, my bloody valence yeah exactly yeah belong on the same yeah so I mean that's how I got in I accidentally got introduced to a lot of them just by watching I mean, like I remember a tape that we had uh we had like a I was born in 1977, so I like I grew up in the 80s, and we had a big van, like, van conversion, like a big sweet van with a ladder on the back and like gold mm-hmm. glitter paint, and it had yeah. yeah, it was rad. I wish I had it right now. And green shag carpet inside, but it had it had a TV, which was the coolest thing I could imagine at that time was having a TV in our van. It, granted, it was like a six inch black and white screen, but. There was a TV and a gigantic VCR. So on road trips, I got to bring tapes. And one tape I brought on this really long road trip, I brought one tape. And it was like, Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein? Yes. And and then Terror in the Isles. Oh, Terror in the Isles. Man, that was... Honestly, I just watched Terror in the Isles. Um, That's with, what, Donald Pleasance, I think, hosts it? Yeah, I believe so. I haven't watched it since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. But it's essentially just clips from horror movies, like you know. Yeah. And I it, was. It's, it's it's like the it's like the talk soup of uh, horror movies. <laughs> yeah. Donald Pleasance's yes. Uh, film Exactly. It is 
buck wild that this is terror in the isles is not the only tape that did this um it's just so fascinating to me that they're like yeah we'll just take tapes and put just the scary pot scary parts of movies on a tape and people will want to rent that it's like it's such a weird thing to think about well it's very pre it's very pre youtube like this is uh because i feel like youtube is great for that now if you just need like all right i need every scene with pennywise and the original it without having to wade through three and a half goddamn hours and then you know you can find that exactly or if you just yeah yeah or if you just want to watch the ice skating scene from curtains over and over and over again yeah which holy (laughs) shit that is uh so good and I guess to be fair, like I've been obsessing with um, Dinosaur Dracula, who is doing some April, who's doing the Lord's work in this season of Halloween, uh, has been doing a lot of like Halloween supercut videos with like mixing scary movie clips with horror music. So like I guess that's kind of the same thing. It's just before youtube we had terror in the office yeah exactly and that's for my 10 year old self like that's i've i watched it over and over i didn't even know really understand what was going on in some of the scenes or necessarily what they were from but i would sit in the back of that van on the and watch them over watch that over and over again on this tiny little black and white tv and somehow not get like carsick but yeah. I think, and, and, and like especially with like VHS horror, like I mean, obviously, I'm I'm gonna go ahead and go out on a limb here and say that all three of us are pretty into VHSs of horror movies. Yeah. Um, and and the weird thing about that I realize is that like because trying to explain to my girlfriend why I like horror on VHS specifically, because like she's practical and reasonable, and she's like, why the fuck wouldn't you just get it on digital or get a Blu-ray? And I'm like, because trying like i don't know there's something about especially 80s horror it needs for me i don't know like i love the weird grainy badly tracked uh i don't know format of vhs for horror because it feels very like forbidden and kind of jank and kind of wrong a little bit definitely and i mean for me it's also just nostalgia driven as well i mean there's just something about it i mean that's the way i watched all of my favorite movies when i was a kid so mm-hmm. there's something there's something about that and then it, you know i remember holding those tapes like i had a it was my 12th birthday party was a nightmare on elm street sleepover oh and, dumb and i, I that is amazing yeah and I, I mean once again it goes back to my mom like not understanding censorship in any way shape or form thought it was a great idea and didn't tell any of the other kids moms like it was welcome to hell children yeah like it started as a normal sleepover like i i have memories of it we like played games in the backyard and had a cake my my cake was shaped like a skateboard half pipe and it was like a total normal kid you know like in 1989 or whatever it was a normal party but it ended it was a sleepover and we were gonna watch nightmare on elm street and then sleep in a tent in the backyard that was my my plan (laughs) And so we watched Nightmare on Elm Street. We did not sleep in the tent. That never happened. I think we went into the tent for like 15 minutes and then came up with very, very poor excuses of why, you know, we weren't, (laughs) why we weren't scared, but we should still go inside for whatever reason. But uh, I was just like, like for sure, none of us are spooked right now. But that being said, I want to go inside. Exactly. Like that movie wasn't scary at all, but... (laughs) Maybe your dad didn't turn the sprinklers off, and I don't think that my mom wants my shoes to get wet. We should probably go inside. Oh, right. Something, right al- exactly. something along those lines. And I, I recently reconnected with a friend that was at that party through Facebook, and I hadn't seen him since around that time. And he informed me that that was actually why, when his mom found out that we watched that movie, he wasn't allowed to hang out with me anymore. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> and it all and all the memories See, came flooding back of that night. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's man, there's a couple kids I don't think I saw ever again. <laughs> Which is great, especially when a large group of children become very pragmatic about things. Like, well, I don't want to get my shoes wet, and my mother will be very upset with me if I don't. Yeah, yeah. to 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 process that experience. I honestly like sleepover. A uh, sleepover party was how I uh, first saw Nightmare Part Three: Dream Warriors, and you know, and I think I've told the story on the spot, you know, podcast before that this was like you know fourth grade sleepover party, and I had this friend whose like dad was kind of a a wannabe biker, like he was like a an office guy that you could tell was kind of a weekend warrior type. Sure. Um. And the kind of guy with a rumpus room downstairs, you know what I mean? 
and you know end of the night he's like hey you kids want to watch a scary movie and nobody wanted to you know weasel out of this and I just I, I specifically my strongest memory of that was all of us were like watching horrified throughout the movie because it's terrifying and then the moment Kristen um, does like a, a spinning drop kick to Freddy in in the dream world all of us as one let out the subtle yeah like <laughs> As long as it was the first time Freddie had actually gotten hit in the movie, so that was that was my experience with uh, sleepovers. What a rad movie to like have your first horror sleepover to. Oh yeah, I've been I've been obsessed with that movie since the fourth grade because of just it left such a weird impression on me. Like especially like the deaths in that movie. Like I can't even tell you how many nightmares I had about um, Philip getting puppeted like a marionette with all of his tendons out yeah. and strings. Like oh boy, yeah, fourth grade, forget about it. Yeah. So let's talk about. Curtains, speaking of rad, unforgettable movies. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> so, Curtains came out in 1983, and it's basically a sophisticated slasher movie. It's supposed to be a slasher for adults, because it's consciously it's a conscious decision that no teenagers were cast, and it's, you know, it's actors talking about their craft, and this is the yeah. movie that, like, highbrow filmgoers will enjoy, not, you know the the peon teenagers i mean it's got ice skating in it <laughs> <laughs> the most adult activity and then also i love about it that like this is a movie that i you know especially i think that was a that was a conscious choice on the filmmakers parts that they're like all right so slashers are pretty hot right now let's make a goddamn you know sophisticated adult slasher movie with like people with hair on their chest and you know, these are people that are past their 30s and they're kind of, you know, trying to make it work. Um, this movie is basically like Dario Argento's All About Eve, right? Where you've got the killer, you've got the killer that you think is one character because, and it's like, um, the killer is made up to look like sort of an old crone with like this big rubbery crone mask. And you think that it's like the sort of aging actor who's willing to do anything to get this part and she's killing all the young ingenues. And then you get a twist. Do we want to spoil this movie? I mean, it is a 33-year-old I mean, it movie. It's a 1983 Canadian horror film. And is it really spoiling it? No, because I called the ending. I was like, I think it's oh, this sure. other girl. And I'm like, oh, cool. It was that other girl. And yeah. even if you say who it is now, if they haven't seen the movie, they're going to forget. They're all interchangeable. <laughs> they're going to forget. Right. It's gonna... like it's the girl with the hair that's very 80s. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's it's the one. She's got kind of the high-waist jeans, you know? Yeah. The high-waist um, jeans and the perm. Yeah, she's oh, got the perm. Oh, yes. <laughs> Man, we, we got to talk about that ice skating scene because holy shit. Yes. I, um, I wish I saw this movie as a kid even it was available oh, yeah. it was available but it's i certainly didn't see it till i was an adult but that the image of in that ice, ice skating scene of the killer slowly skating with that mask on is horrifying oh with the with the the hook and the yeah hook yeah jesus that could have ruined me oh sure like you would you would see that face like anytime that there was like a dark corridor you're just picturing the slow motion ice skating murder crone coming at you yeah exactly i mean it's it's almost like a a zelda from pet cemetery mask in a, oh, in, yeah, with in the, a way yeah it's like she's got spinal meningitis on the ice and she's coming yeah. for you. also man side note spinal meningitis doesn't do that <laughs> it does not <laughs> and then you'll be twisted too yeah well, um, let's talk about even the poster for prom night is like that mask made into like a meat curtain and that weird porcelain doll is peeking out of it oh yeah and like it's it's almost like heavy-handed like clearly uh the director read a uh feminist book and it's like i understand feminism women women kill women and like i get it and then he made this movie and you're like 100 percent. why yeah well and also i the 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 main director guy in this is like first of all i feel like the this um character if this movie had been made in the early to mid 90s the main director guy would have been played by clancy brown i would bet my fern <laughs> Like, yes. And just this sort of, you know, sm smooth, deep voice, kind of smarmy, kind of, you know, weird character actor. And, like, the scene where he says, like, 
you're wearing a mask. Take off the mask. The real mask is beneath or whatever. You're like, all right, dude, come on. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah, yeah. the whole thing's like a soap opera, really. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. I, I loved also the opening bit because I was kind of settling in because, like, I've got a weird relationship with Canadian horror generally because I don't, I don't know, I feel like there, there's not Canadian horror with, like, a strong, like, uh, like sort of geographical voice the way that, I mean, maybe there is and I'm just a fucking idiot and I don't pick up on that, which is really well, likely. Black Christmas is, like, when you say Canadian horror, I think of Black Christmas, and that is shockingly fucked up when you think about, like, stereotypes of Canada like you don't really think about like a buck wild really dark movie like that and this is similarly dark oh yeah I mean like when I think Canadian horror I think like Cronenberg but yeah? that's not exactly is... Canadian horror so much as just Cronenberg like I'm, I'm of course yeah. I'm sure being Canadian informs the movies in some ways that I don't understand but it, I don't I don't think oh it's Canadian filmmaker David like he's Cronenberg yes He's not of this earth. <laughs> no, he's not bound by our earth rules. <laughs> no. Um, I did love the opening scene in Curtains where um, she's got a fake uh, being uh, dangerously psychotic. And because, you know, so I'm settling in. I'm like, all right, it's a Canadian horror film. That's fine. And I thought it was going to be kind of boring. And then out of, out of fucking nowhere, she just pulls out a pair of scissors and goes to, like, stab the director guy in the middle of a meeting. Yeah, and, so they commit her. <laughs> right, so that she she's doing the fucking Stanislavski thing where she's like, bah, I'm going to go to the psych ward and, and, you know, research for this part of a mentally unstable woman who tries to kill people. Works every time. It, it does. It does. <laughs> it does There's not a reason backfire. It's a <laughs> also, yeah. the basement of this, ma- this manor is terrifying because it is the scariest prop warehouse that I have ever ever seen and my parents were like big community theater nerds so like Mm. as a child i would pack my clay face and my batman action figures and just sit in the back of a theater and play while they were at rehearsals but like this is the most scary assemblage of random like street signs and mirrors and clothes and shit like that that i've ever Mm. seen yeah, like, those like the set designs that are is... hanging on nooses. <laughs> oh yeah, like the set design in this is is so fucking good. Yeah, this might be my new favorite movie. Don't really your don't, new favorite. Don't say that. Well, not my new. Well, well, not my new favorite, but like this is my my current like this is the one that I'm gonna be asking people like, dude, have you seen fucking curtains? So the last movie for this podcast was The Mutilator. Does oh, yeah. Curtains beat The Mutilator for have you seen this movie from the 80s? <laughs> oh, no. I don't know. Drew, have you seen The Mutilator? I definitely have seen The Mutilator, and I, I'm i a bigger fan of The Mutilator than I am of Curtains. Yeah, yeah. Mutilator for sure. is fuck. It's hard to say much is better than that movie. Because they both feature meat hook deaths, but one of them is uh, slightly more memorable. Yes, so I would give the edge to the mutilator on that one. For sure. I just yeah. I, I'm all I'm all about the mutilator. When if if we're so, comparing these two, curtains is not is not my favorite movie. Yeah, yeah, it's doing some really interesting stuff with slashers. Like it's it's trying to be different from the slasher, and there's just like they picked a good mask. And it's a really creepy mask. And yeah, the did. twist is enough to be like, oh, that's a really cool twist. It doesn't feel out of nowhere. Like, it feels like it's it's a well-written script in that way. See, I feel like you could do a double feature with uh, Curtains and uh, Opera. If you were going to do a double feature for just, like, sort of weird, weird theater people killing each other. <laughs> <laughs> or stage fright. Or stage fright, shit. Yeah, exactly. Um, I honestly, uh, I think I, I give uh, I give Curtains points for being an early '80s slasher movie that didn't bore me to death. Because it, like, don't get me wrong, I I, I, I frequently watch early '80s slashers, but they kind of run together at a certain point. Like, Final Exam looks like Terror Train, looks like Prom Night, looks like you know, and and so I yeah. appreciate that this one was kind of doing something different. So, if our ceiling is the mutilator, and that's number 
28 on our list. Right below that is Canadian horror movie Black Christmas. Hmm. And right below that is Maniac from 1980. How oh, does man. Curtain stack up to these other slasher movies that are doing a little bit more than your run-of-the-mill slasher? Ugh. Yeah, Drew, what do you think? Well, I mean, in my, it doesn't even come close in my book. But, yeah. but I'm also really bad at at ranking anything. So, <laughs> I, so I, are I, we, but I just... unfortunately we have an entire podcast predicated upon it. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, good, yeah, good luck with that. But, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm just, I, I'm very indecisive, and and I just hate, I don't know, I'm just not good at it. So I would, I would scroll down the list, and no matter where I look, I'm going to find a movie that I'm like, oh, well, it can't be better than that. Oh, but it is better than that. Oh, I don't want to hurt. I don't want to hurt this person's feelings. I know the person that made that movie, so I can't put it, <laughs> can't put it below that because they might be listening, you know. So that's kind of where. Well, what I like to tell here. anyone who's been kind enough to give us a screener of their movie is there's always something that like the pull quote that anyone needs is like better than and maniac cop 2 so that like someone at a video rental store would be like well if it's better than maniac cop 2 i've got to get it and it's like you don't have to say not as good as hellraiser yeah i honestly see where i'm looking on the list i feel like i can't in good conscience put this above hellraiser 2 that's fair because I, I sure? and maybe it's just because of my irrational font. Well, not even irrational fondness. Just I, I, I think Hellraiser two is really, really good. Is it better than Freddy's Dead? Is it? Be- hmm. Is the question? Is it a better movie, or do you enjoy watching it more? <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> That's that, true. Like, I mean, Curtains doesn't have a comic book adaptation, and Curtains doesn't have Roseanne Barr in it. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't feature the line. The map says we're fucked. So, I, yeah. no, yeah, Drew, you're exactly right. Like, this is one of those movies. It's like somebody asks you, like, so how is this movie? Like, oh, it's dog shit. Oh, really? How many times have you seen it? Uh, dozens, dozens and dozens. Yeah, <laughs> yes. I mean, most of my favorite movies are bad movies. Oh yeah. But, but that's means nothing to me. <laughs> so, right, so as an objective metric for how good. Sure, is. and then, and then I would just go a couple door down from Freddy's Dead, and I find Chopping Mall and Night of the Demons. There's never a, there's never a day I'm gonna watch curtains over either of those movies, right? Yeah, that's fair. And just in my in my world, so yeah, yeah. I see now. I I feel like my my floor for this. I do think this is better than Return of the Living Dead three. Yeah, that, that movie is that's, dog shit. That's I'm fair. I'm sorry. <laughs> no. It's got amazing special effects, but it drives me crazy that she just puts glass in her body for no reason. Yeah. Like, I hate yeah. that design. It's great special effects. Like, the fact that they made basically a bodysuit for her to get into is cool. It's just, it looks dumb. Right. And also, anything that happens in that movie doesn't make, it, it, it happens because it's in the script, basically, where it's like, bah, and then those toughs at the at the convenience store hunt them down because one of them, you know, whatever. It's, it's not good. Yeah. So... It's definitely better than Return of the Dead, The Living Dead 3. It is not better than It Stains the Sands Red. And I realize, Drew, we, you'll probably have to recuse yourself now yes. from the rank. <laughs> well, yes, it is hard for me to... I mean, if although, only that one zombie was in that yeah. movie more often. Yeah, I mean, I'm only in the movie for a couple minutes, but... <laughs> Which, by the way, I feel like we got to point out um, one of the main observations we made on uh, the podcast where, where we talked about it saying the Sands Red is like, man, Drew Marvick, like, I mean, that zombie, it's like, you know, there, it's a zombie hanging out, and obviously they should be looking really rough, but that beard, man, that fucking great beard. Yeah. <laughs> you know, even when you're dead, you still have priorities. Absolutely. And my, so mine was think... taking care of my beard. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's safe to put curtains at number 60. Uh, oh, yeah. right above Return of the Living Dead because there's no like Return of the Living Dead is I like the movie up to this point and Curtains is I like the whole movie mm-hmm. but just barely yeah well It Stains the Sands Red gave me feel, capital F feelings in a way that uh, Curtains did not yeah and the hair and makeup are just so phenomenal <laughs> Yeah, like the, the bit when the bit when Smalls has the tire 
and they're doing the Harry and the Hendersons moment, and she's trying to leave him. Like, I'm sitting there at my desk, just like, no smalls. So, yeah, I, I, I would give it the edge over curtains for that. All right, so number 60 is curtains. Number yeah. 60. All right, so next up, we're going to talk about Evil Ed. Um, <laughs> this is coming out on Arrow Blu-ray, or I think it's actually already out. It is. It should um, be. We got a copy, uh, MVD Entertainment, the Arrow um, distributor in North America, uh, sent us a copy, so thanks, y'all. It looks really good on Blu-ray, and that, um, it's weird to say, like, the dubbing makes a movie better, but Mm -hmm. the, the, the English dub of this movie is just A plus ridiculous. It's, it really adds to my enjoyment of this film. Yeah, the bit where the boss has his voice is overdubbed at the beginning, he just goes, "You're fired." After a guy gets blown up with a grenade. Yeah, it's it's so good. Um, Evil Ed, like honestly, this movie to me, it's like if Peter Jackson made Videodrome. Yeah, yeah, on acid. Like, yeah, on acid, just like super splashy, super (laughs) ridiculous. Like you know, I this I feel like this movie does what. For example, like Terror Firmer from Troma tries to do, like it's it's so it's so good. And the posters are so fun to see. Like clearly, that's the crew's like pers- that's the director's personal collection of American movie posters. Yes, and I don't. I wonder if they moved them from the office to the house, or if he had multiple copies of Evil Dead Two. Yeah, because it's in both. The Evil Dead po- 2 posters in multiple locations throughout the movie. Yeah. And I, and if I it, didn't even notice that. And if it was me and I was making the movie, it would the answer would be I've just carried it around with me because I could only <laughs> afford one. But, right. but I have a feeling they might have just had molt there like, get three of those Evil Dead 2 posters. <laughs> Frame them all. And I mean, the whole yep. premise of the movie that these horror movies are so bad and you know this this series of movies is so offensive and the best part is they never show more than these outlandish scenes that don't make sense even in context and like the worst thing in the movie is supposedly the beaver uh rape scene and they just talk (laughs) about it it's like such a ridiculous premise and that it drives editors to go insane and go on killing rampages well and and like what's fascinating to me is like evil ed like this is like what 1996 this came out yeah um and and of course it feels like a throwback to me because i feel like culturally um did i mean america had kind of gotten over its moral majority freak out by the early 90s right like uh, the PMRC hearings had already happened. Video nasties had already been a thing in England, um, and and then by the mid '90s, like this, ca- this came out the same year as fucking Scream. Uh, and th- the the interesting thing is that like I and I started researching it, and apparently uh, up in up, up until like a year after this, um, the Swedish Film Board was super fucking strict. Like they would not let anything get through. Yeah, this was like a protest film in a sense for yep. them. Which is so buck wild to yeah. think that this is like a political statement yeah. movie <laughs> because it's just so silly as well. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, and I think that was sort of the point with a lot of this was like it was a lot of it was meant to be silly because it's sort of pointing out like you guys are taking uh, beavers and getting shot in the head with a bazooka and all of this stuff just fucking way too seriously. We all need to calm down. Yeah, so let's show some slapstick blood and gore scenes. Also, Bill Mosley, by the way, doing the voiceover. Yeah. I didn't even realize that. That's awesome. Yeah, I, that was so, like, triggered instantly. I'm like, oh, my God, that's Bill Mosley. Yeah, you just hear Chop Top out of nowhere. It's like, whoa. Yeah, shit. yeah, and I mean, it's only for, I mean, it's in that such a small, he's just one character in one film that he's editing, so it's pretty quick, but still. Right. But it was great to it was great to hear a recognizable voice and funny the whole dubbing like you mentioned the dub the dubbing is not only is it comical for multiple reasons but it's fascinating because they're speaking English for the most part I mean if you look at yeah. the lips they're actually yeah. speaking English and then they're overdubbing English 
So, so were they? Just, so, in the uh, in the was the actual audio just them speaking like mouthing English words with a really thick Swedish accent? Or what? I, I'm I'm guessing that's what it must have been. And then they <laughs> they realize, hey, we better we better dub all this if we want to make some money. Right. Yeah, it's like they're the accents are too thick. Well, it's kind of like, have you ever listened to? So, I'm a big hardcore fan, and I really like the band The Refused. But every time they speak, like the the spoken word parts of those records are kind of like really cringy because they have those super thick Swedish accents, and they're yeah. talking about like political revolution, but it's it's you know mired in this like Swedish chef accent. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, apologies to any European listeners who have found this podcast. You're all lovely people, I'm sure. Yeah, well, imagine how we sound. Yeah. I yeah. mean, that's all. I mean, you don't even have to apologize. They're just, they're laughing at the fact that we would say that. <laughs> because we we just sound like morons, I'm sure. Right. See, I, I think my favorite heavily, my favorite heavily accented uh, lyric reading ever is from the band Sodom. They've got the song called Blasphemer and in like a thick German accent. It's like, I, I read satanic Bible with fucking groan, masturbate to kill myself. And it's just like, masturbate to kill myself. Like this is, this is what I want from a German metal band. Absolutely. Yeah. I need to find and, that. Um, so recently on Netflix, I started watching Occult Crimes. Have y'all seen this? No. It's I started a, it. Yeah. It's a Rescue 911 caliber true crime show where they're like, we're going to reenact these occult crimes. And it's like, this girl in Germany started listening to gothic music. <laughs> <laughs> she met a man on a personal ad that wanted to be her, that wanted her to be his vampire slave. <laughs> That's like half the profiles on FetLife, I'm reliably informed. Yeah. <laughs> So. can't confirm yeah oh jesus um but so with uh so with evil ed i think one of the other things that i noticed that was really interesting was that the main character could might be the biggest dorcas i have ever personally witnessed in a horror movie like and this is what made me think of peter jackson because i feel like this is like a stock peter jackson character in his early movies where he's sort of the you know, kind of the, the, the gormless sort of wormy guy who doesn't want to upset anybody and he just wants to get through this and eventually he gets, like, really fucked up by the stuff he experiences. Yeah, and his old job is editing art house movies and I really like that they're just like, the weather is supposed to be partly cloudy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. I'm fascinated by the fact that he starts out as the character you just described and then has this evolution, and he's our lead character. But then there's no, like, redemption or resolution. He just no. go, he just goes he just goes mad, kills a bunch of people, yeah, tries it, to kill his the, wife yeah. and daughter, and then it's like, oh, random delivery guy's final girl. Yeah, yeah, the <laughs> yeah. random delivery guy is the final girl. Oh and shit! Like, I didn't see think that about kid that. in the beginning, and you're like, oh, he's gonna fucking die. He's <laughs> yeah, for sure. A bag of potato chips in the screener room at the studio. He's screwed, and then he makes it till the end of the movie. Well, and also like that—that that kid was like a, a stand-in for horror fans, where you know he's talking to the guy, and, and or the guy asks him like, you know, don't you have any morals at all? And the kid is like. Man, I think you're taking this horror stuff a little too seriously. Yes. Yeah, he was the voice yeah. of reason and the voice of the of the horror fan. Yeah. But it's funny that he's... Realize, that makes him like a total Mary Sue, like, I'm going to be the stand-in, and, you know, this is not such a big deal. But in the movie, like, it doesn't feel as heavy-handed as it sounds when we're describing it. No, because you're just too confused. Even worry. <laughs> you can't. You can't focus. As soon as you start to get a, a grip on things, there's a monster in the refrigerator. Yeah. Yeah. Which, by the way, that that was the most jank puppet, and I, I, I loved that stupid fridge monster. I immediately started googling like, is anybody making enamel pins of the fridge monster from Evil Ed? Because if so, and, yeah, and it's is, a really missed opportunity if they have. Is it? Did you find one? No, no, alas. So clearly, I got. I've got to f- figure out how to how to make enamel pens. I just. I know. All I know is I need an enamel pen of this weird fridge goblin flipping the bird while drinking. Yeah, and it has to have a button, and when you push it, it has to say "fuck you" and like the, <laughs> the voice. <laughs> 
Yep. Oh I, my god. I wonder if that's really what the puppet was saying. Or yeah. or if was when it, was it some Swedish thing? I don't know. I mean, it, it it was when it was in the version I watched. I mean, it was in English, but I just wonder when they actually made the movie if if that's really what he just kept saying. Like, shut the fucking door. <laughs> Fuck you. So, those fucking Swedish fridge gremlins, man. They're 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 unruly. They drink all your milk. Yeah, they throw tomatoes at you. Right. He absolutely. looks like the gremlin. The you know the female gremlin from Gremlins Two. Oh, the lady gremlin. Yeah, it, the lady gremlin looks like it's a hard times lady gremlin. <laughs> <laughs> I could Things see that. Things did not pan out so well. Beauty has faded. That's yeah, the gremlin right. in Evil. Hard Eight. times lady gremlin. Yeah. Which, by the way, title of this episode now. I'm writing it down. <laughs> hard times, <laughs> <Thanks>. Lady Gremlin. <laughs> Thanks for hard times, Lady Gremlin. There. Um, so, man, I don't honestly like. I'm trying to think of like a comparable movie on the list anywhere, and I kind of, man, what would I even compare this to? Let's start. Let's start with something. Uh, House of a Thousand <clears throat> Corpses for so, like crazy splashy horror. I'm gonna argue. Actually, it should go way the fuck up, and it's better than Cat in the Brain because Cat in the Brain is Dario Argento trying to explain like why do we like horror movies, but it turns into like a Terror in the Isle clip show instead of an actual movie. And this, I feel like, does that but better. This asks why do we like horror, and then makes the dismissive Jo motion at the camera and asks who who fucking cares. <laughs> yeah, and. In a way, I feel like it answers it because I love this movie. So it's like, oh, that's why I like it, because it doesn't take itself seriously, and it's fun to watch, and it's got amazing special effects in this movie. Yeah. It does. It, it does. I, unfortunately, it doesn't have the special effects that's on, like, the box art, where his head is cut in half, and... Yes, yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. That is maybe the best VHS box. Like, yeah. I don't currently collect VHS tapes, but the two that I would start my collection with is, uh, I can't remember which Instagram user is doing this, but someone is doing Roseanne Halloween episode bootlegs right now. Oh, Uh, fuck yes. Yeah. So that and the original box art of that head being split. Yes. Yeah. And maybe the box art was, is another thing that gives me the Peter Jackson connection. Because, like, that box art looks straight up like the kind of box art you'd get from early Peter Jackson movies. Like, totally. Like, yeah, Brain Dead or, yeah, absolutely. And, it, I mean, and the movie fits in, I mean, that's a great comparable movie. I don't think it's on your list yet, though, but. Yeah, that's that's a really good movie. But, I mean, Brain Dead is better than Cat in the Brain. So, if it was on our list, it would be in the 30s or higher. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I again, would hope so. Like, I mean, like again, Cat in the Brain is him just looking at the camera and going, "I'm a dirty, dirty boy for liking horror," and it's like that's way less interesting to me than guys. Horror is fucking ridiculous. Let and that, well, okay, horror is fucking ridiculous. And then also, like on a cultural level, this is, I mean, a big fucking political statement for Sweden in the mid '90s. Like this is culturally important in a way that uh, Cat in the Brain kind of isn't. Yeah, Cat in the Brain is just. Lucio having a, a day at the office. Having a wank. Yeah, and it's, you might not know this, but I am also in this movie. Just, just Wait, kidding. which one? I'm just kidding. Oh, I was, <laughs> was going to say, I was but, like... But <laughs> no. Swerved. <laughs> yeah, spoiler alert. No, but the character, like the two <laughs> super random, like I feel like it was an afterthought, but like the two heavy metal dudes that decided to break into the house... Oh, that's the that's one of my favorite parts because he's got a fucking Uzi to yeah. break into a house. He all which of a sudden, is so 1995. Yes, and so that guy with the Uzi just totally looks like me when I was 17. Like I had the same long hair, mullet, and like a black hat and an and an Uzi. No, but I oh, and I had the same like Sony, <laughs> yeah, yellow Sony headphones. So it was just kind of funny when I was watching. I could relate. I didn't break into yeah, ha- yeah. I didn't break into houses, but. Other than that, like I feel like that guy was my Swedish doppelganger in 1995. Like that's exactly what I—that's what I look like in 1995. They could have cast me. I, I, I was actually uh, in the movie as an uncredited appearance as the Hard Times Lady Gremlin. I—I kind of glowed up since then a little bit, but you know, early on, I, I had to take the work I could get as a, a frigid-dwelling uh, vulgar goblin. So. It was—you did some good work. I, that's like yeah, the you know? my biggest complaint about the movie is I, I don't know what happened to the 
to the hard times. Lady they, they don't. Exp- they, they are not interested in explaining shit about hard times, Lady Gremlin. No. So no. it's all in his head, right? That's what it's supposed to be. Is he's, you know, oh, yeah. yes. crazy. So I guess that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess that's why they don't bother explaining. I guess that is the explanation. <laughs> but still, I want, I want. The Gremlin should have been in that hospital. Yeah, yeah. Well, because it's absolutely doing the thing that, I mean, because again, like, you know, but like when I was growing up, again, like my mom was pretty conservative and, and wouldn't let me watch horror movies. And her reasoning for a lot of it was garbage in, garbage out. That was always what she would say in reference to it. And this movie is taking that to its logical, stupid extreme with like Swedish moralists being like, nah, you can't show any gore or boobs. And it's going like, all right, you know what? Yeah, horror movies, they rot your brain. They make you kill people. Let's do that. Yeah. So... Taste the Blood of Dracula is a movie where people literally drink Dracula blood and turn into Draculas. <laughs> I've, never is, se- I've never seen that movie. It's oh, Christopher it, Lee. It's Hammer Horror. Horror. It's pretty dope. I recommend it. Um, just because they find a guy. is Shit, no, that's, um, that's Dracula 72 that the guy's name is actually Alucard. And he just happens oh, to yeah. be... <laughs> related to Dracula. Yeah. No, yeah, Taste the Blood of Dracula is like this guy trying to peer pressure people into drinking the blood of Dracula so they can turn into Dracula, and it's it's outstanding. Yeah. Right. And then um, they kill him, and Dracula gets pissed and kills everyone else. <laughs> yeah. Of course. So yeah. is Evil Ed better than Taste the Blood of Dracula, Ryan? I would say yes. <clears throat> because I was less, and not that Taste the Blood of Dracula was boring, but I was not even close to bored the entirety of Evil Ed. Yeah. So, what about above that? I'm trying to think of another movie that's a little bit boring. I'm, I'm having a hard time going above The Mutilator and Demon Knight. Um, mm-hmm. Well, it's got, yeah. Way, I mean, you got Army of Darkness just a couple above there, too, so... You can't go Army above that. Army of Darkness is pretty yeah. much the same, like, slapstick horror. I'd say, like, what about right below Army of Darkness above Rocky Horror Picture Show? You know what? Actually, I would put this above Rocky Horror. But Rocky Horror's just a jump to the left. And a, <laughs> and a step to the right. Yes. Um, well, and specifically, like, I, I think it's that if I were going to put on anything, because I've seen, I've seen and been to Rocky Horror... I think countless times, so maybe it's easy for me to take it for granted in some way, because it's always it's been always been such a fixture. But I, I feel like I, going by the Roger Ebert thing of like, what is this movie trying to accomplish, and how well does it accomplish that? I think Evil Ed perfectly accomplishes what it's trying to accomplish. Yeah, and Rocky Horror falls apart in the third act. Like it yeah. didn't have an ending, so they're like, oh shit, let's just send the house to space. <laughs> around don't around don't dream it, be it. You're kind of falling asleep on the person next to you and you're both wearing fish nuts every okay, time so that would be between <laughs> army of darkness and rocky horror picture show number 25 is evil ed if you have not seen this movie um pick up this blu-ray it's definitely worth it um oh yeah it, it looks really good it's, i can't wait yeah. i i so a friend of mine here in las vegas owns the only movie rental store in las vegas it's called movies and candy and okay. I, he, he has the Arrow release, but I didn't get to watch it. It has um, like a three-hour making of. So I don't yes. know if you, if you guys have it, then you. It does. And so I'm dying. I, I want to watch that more than I want to watch the movie again, just because I, I need to see how this movie was made. And you know there's a lengthy Hard Times Gremlin making of. This oh, is how we put this in the refrigerator. It could be the whole three hours. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just a no, time I feel like lapse. If you're on that, I feel like if you're a member of the effects crew on that set, this is the you're leaving hard times, Lady Gremlin, in weird places for your coworkers. Like someone opens a cabinet, there's hard times, Lady Gremlin. You're just leaving that around where people can find it. Oh, I guess for sure. The, the biggest bummer is that has got to have gone the same way as the puppet from Dinosaurs and all those other foam <laughs> creations. Like it is decrepit and rotting in some warehouse where it is scaring someone when they open it up. 
Yeah, yeah unre- oh, unless it's cold enough in Sweden that it's just like frozen in a block of ice. <laughs> oh, shit. So now I just imagine like an old-timey ice vendor has like cut a block of ice, you know, a la the beginning scene in Frozen, and it's got that hard times little yeah. grim one inside just, it. Just stored like that, like Encino Man or whatever. <laughs> like, just, like, just frozen in time. You're digging a pool, suddenly hard times Lady Gremlin, and, and the, the nightmare starts again. And there's the Encino Man sequel that we all want. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Brendan Fraser and Hard Times Lady Gremlin these days, kind of? I, the, know, hey. Minimal makeup. I'm going to start writing. <laughs> Excellent. All right, good. <laughs> okay. all, right. So, all, right. all right. Number 25, it's like official. It's in there. Yeah, yeah, that's good. We I don't okay. don't don't tell Jeremy Saulnier that there the evil Ed is ranked above any <laughs> anything he's ever made, or don't tell him I was a part of it at least. Oh, so, oh, certainly not. Honestly, like I, it, it hurts my soul to put Evil Ed above Candyman, but nothing means anything on this list anymore. It's just. Ah, oh, my God, we've created a monster. Well, you have because means nothing. Because sadly, I mean, as you watch more movies you love, they're gonna have to fit into like the first page, which means other movies you love will get pushed down. Like it's. And that's the thing is yep. to be fair, we don't get into movies that we fucking hate until like the nineties. Yeah, and not even the '90s. It's like the hundreds is where we get into like under no circumstance should you play that in my um, presence again. You're sure. exactly right. It's like actually n- the last two or three maybe are ones that I'm like, no thanks. Well, you're exactly right because number '99 is the Bye Bye Man, and I recommend that everybody see the Bye Bye Man. Um, yeah, you should watch the Bye Bye Man. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to make everybody suffer this fucking fate with me. Is is what it is. Don't pay for it. Go to the library and ask them oh. to like let you borrow no, it. No, 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 never pay for the Bye Bye Man, but absolutely <laughs> find you someone who will who will make you watch the Bye Bye Man in a room full of people and share this as a communal experience. How, how did Sleepaway Camp get below the Bye Bye Man? Oh, it's mostly um the uh, we cuz I think on that episode we were kind of talking about like the the transphobia in Sleepaway Camp and kind of how that influenced like a whole generation of people to kind of think about trans women in a certain way, and, and we're kind of like, eh, you know, I think we just dropped it to the bottom of the list to avoid sort of, you know, getting into it too much. Gotcha, it I understand. It doesn't age well. It's, it, yeah. it's a good movie, but also, like, it, it kind of loses its sheen the more you watch it, too. It, yeah, well, yeah, it's not a great... I mean, I, I revisit part two and three on a regular basis, but not part one. Oh, part three is great. I love Sleepaway Camp 3. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, those are spoiler alert. Those are probably going to go higher on the list. They <laughs> sadly yeah. they they should, but they should. Yeah. <laughs> In my, I mean, if you're asking me, those part three is one of my favorite movies ever. So I yeah same. Is and, so then part three um, the one with the um, Freddy Krueger hand in the backpack? Or the co- yeah, on the box art. Yeah. 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 yeah teenage teenage like wasteland, I believe, was the subtitle. Yeah. Yeah, she's got like this big bag full of like iconic horror goodies basically on the cover. Let's talk about Prom Night 2. Let's. Yeah. Holy shit. Prom Night 2, Hello Mary Lou. <laughs> that good rhyming title. This movie is nonstop fucking nut bars. It is much different from Prom Night 1, first of all. Does it have anything to do with Prom Night 1 besides it takes place during prom? No. Oh, do, like, does it have anything to do with part one? No, not at all. Like, just prom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was trying to think of if, if there were any characters from the first one that pop back up in this one. But nope, I think literally the only connective tissue is what if prom but evil. And so this movie, it's honestly prom night part two. Or excuse me, not not part two. That's too highfalutin. Prom night to Hello, Mary Lou. Uh, it's kind of like if you mixed Return to Horror High and Carrie. Yeah, I, I was thinking Carrie and, like, Nightmare on Elm Street because of all the fucked up dream sequences. Oh, yeah. All right. Except no, they're I not dreams. That. They're, like, hallucinations. Mm-hmm. Well, and the other thing about Prom Night 2 that I think is incredible is that the plot... It, it's So it turns into The Exorcist at a certain point because you've got... And literally one of the characters quotes The Exorcist, which, like... <laughs> Here's the thing, though. Don't quote better movies in your movie. 
Like, yeah, don't... you should never quote <laughs> like, a movie. <laughs> don't say your your mother sucks cocks and hellfather Karis, because now I'm just thinking about The Exorcist, and I'm not thinking about your movie. So don't take me out of that. Okay, so now I'm really confused because I watched this on Amazon Prime, and he doesn't say your mother sucks cocks in hell. He says, um, "Sticks a dock." Well, huh? Is it's, it, it, it's, it's like a TV those, version? Yeah, it's one of those TV versions. <laughs> I think that Amazon has the TV version. Your mother works the do- your mother works the docks in hell, Father. Man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there we go. That's yeah. Your um, mama and <laughs> the no, hard times gremlin are just hanging there. <laughs> oh, now I just want to do the dozens and whip out the hard times gremlin. <laughs> Yeah. See, honestly, though, I was surprised because I was sure about halfway through the movie that because this is an oddly Catholic movie. I don't know why everybody's constantly going to confession to like jerk yeah. off in front of the priest. The about... movie starts with Mary Lou saying, Father, I've sinned. I like to fuck and like looks at the camera and like winks and points. OK, wait, let's talk about the goddamn opening of this movie, because what kills me. All right. So it's like uh, what taking place back in the 50s. And you can tell because uh, Tutti Frutti is being played. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tutti Frutti and that I got a girl named Mary Lou song. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, by the way, side note, my dad used to sing in a barbershop quartet, and they did Hello, Mary Lou, Goodbye Heart. So I'm thinking about that the entire time. But (laughs) the incredible thing about the opening to this movie is you've got these, like, horny 50s teens dancing to Little Richard. And then two of them, um, uh, the the main character, like, the, the main villain lady, like, she goes back there and starts... Bumping and grinding on a dude who's not her boyfriend, and her boyfriend comes back there, and he's like, "Hey, what are you doing?" And the dude that she's like necking with just turns and goes like, "You wanna smell my hand?" And like they're just <laughs> wilding the fuck out. Like she is just like, "Yeah, I'm fucking another guy. What are you gonna do about it?" And he's like, "But I'm your boyfriend." And she's like, "Yeah." She's just like grinding the guy's face on her. Cr- it is something to behold. The opening to this movie. And then she's, she gets set on fire, and it's a burning scene that is that rivals Maniac Cop 2 in length and intensity, where she you're just, watching and going, oh my god. She gets fucking flambéed at the beginning of this. Yeah. It's like a five-minute on-fire scene. And no one does anything. No. Right. No. No, Nothing. sorry. You're on, you're on your own, man. Sorry. I also love that this movie says if you're a horny teenager that watches a woman being burned alive on prom night, your two options are becoming a priest or becoming a principal. Yes. Because the two kids grow up to be (laughs) the priest and the principal in the town. If you watch a young girl getting (laughs) torched alive at prom, you will become an upstanding member of the community. You will have responsibility. Well, and, and also, I was convinced that the priest was going to turn out to be the killer because everybody's constantly going in there to, like, talk about all of the gross teenage shit that teenagers do for confession. And the priest just keeps getting more and more scandalized where he's like, why would you make out with a boy? And, like, I just assumed that he was going to be some kind of, like, avenging puritanical killer guy, and that did not happen. Yeah, they swerve on you, and they killed the living fuck out of him by shoving that crucifix <laughs> through his head. Oh, yes, they do. God. It's good. It's uh, good. That's, I think what I like about this movie is the beginning shows that it's not fucking around, but then it gets a little boring for a while, mm-hmm. and then the end like raises the stakes so much that it's like... It's, it's unfathomable how nuts. Like, Mary Lou's ghost literally rips out of the girl she possesses and leaves, like, a meat husk on the floor. Yes. It's like Nightmare Part 2. It is. Yeah. What? I love that. Also, the vanity plate at the end of the movie says Mary Lou 2. And I think more horror movies need to utilize license plates for the killers. Like, the tall man (laughs) needs to have a license plate that says, tall man. Oh, tall man fits, actually. That's seven letters. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Right. So so that one totally works. Um, Also, I love that this movie has, I think, one of my favorite stock horror endings, which is my, my chauffeur is the devil. Because you got Michael Ironside gooning for the camera with those pearly whites as he pulls away, and they're like, "No!" and then cut to black. It is it is so great. 
Do you think that the license plate in Nightmare on Elm Street says Freddy K and it's just off camera? <laughs> Bob Shea is just back there fashioning it in the back so Wes can't see him. It has to. Doing this doing this ending, Wes. What is the what is Christine's vanity license plate say? Sex car. Sex it, car. <laughs> yeah. It's just it's yeah, sex car. Man, like prom night part the car, two. Also. What do teens do sex to? <laughs> also, I love that in prom night two, um, the the nerd in this thing that promises that he can hack the results so that this one girl can be the prom queen, he gets menaced by Mac OS, and it's great. <laughs> like, also, um, totally unrealistic. He gets a blowjob and is able to type. It was like swordfish. I call shenanigans on this movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So swordfish clearly took a lot of inspiration from Prom Night Two. Uh, <laughs> where it's like, all right, try try and code this while getting a beach, and it's, yeah, it's uh, so everybody is just also constantly fucking in this movie. Oh yeah, yeah. There's yeah, but there's nothing to do in this town but get set on fire and have gross sex. But dude, when you have when you have hair that sexy, <laughs> that's all you ever want to do. All I could Stepping think about is how moment. much glitter was in her hair and how if anyone approached me, like, I would, I can't be in the room with a person with that much glitter in their hair, let alone be, you know, intimate with a person with that much glitter in their hair. That's what you Absolutely. think. You think that. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be surprised what you can live through, Quincy. That's right. <laughs> You think that's not your thing until <laughs> your wife is doing crafts in the kitchen and a bottle right. of glitter explodes, and then you realize that this was my thing all along. Yeah, your then... wife's got a, a glitter glue stick, and it, it awakens something in you, and you can't plan for something like that. But that's your life now. A yep. powerful thirst for <laughs> glitter. You're not awaken anything in me. Oh man, so where where would we put Prom Night 2 Hello Mary Lou on the list? I'm I'm I, so I'm my opening uh, gambit here. I think Prom Night 2 is better than The Neon Demon. Oh, for sure. The Neon Demon is number yeah, 47. Mhm. Yeah. Oh yeah. Now Ah, oh, damn it, that's hard, because there's a lot of really good movies right in that area. Yeah, buddy. So that says it's better than Freddy's Dead, which I definitely agree with. Yeah, it's better than Neon Demon, but right above that is The Night Watchman, and I love that movie. Yeah, The Night Watchman is great, and also for Freddy's Dead, I really... Here, I'm going to go ahead and put an asterisk next to Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare, uh, and then at the very bottom, I'm going to write, except that I love it, though. <laughs> so, you don't have to do that that's already understood no yeah 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 but i so it's like is it a good movie no but um so i it's better than the neon demon to me because first of all it is entertaining as shit and then secondly i like that it's i don't feel like i'm watching the kids bop version of dario argento yeah that's true Look, I think it can't go above the Night Watchman because the Night Watchman has clown pyres. That yes, that is true. We got clown pyres, and we've got wait. What else? What else? There's one other scene from the Night Watchman I'm thinking of. Oh, where he tries it to makes... shoot that vampire and can't yes. shoot a point blank vampire. <laughs> point blank, and he just fucking sucks at shooting vampires, and it's it's great. So yeah, I would I would agree. Uh, between the Neon Demon and the Night Watchman, Drew, what do you think? I I don't know. Where did you see the Night Watchman? Um, we got a screener of it. Cause cause I it's not available yet, right? Um, is it not out? I thought it's on the the festival circuit, but I don't know. They they were cool enough to e- Ken was cool enough to email us a copy of the movie. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, because I want to see it. Anything with clown pyres, I'm like suddenly. Yeah, I was, yeah. I, it was it's been on my radar, but I. I didn't think yeah, that it was available. Fuck. Yeah. Also, also the tagline apparently I've just seen is "Let's go kill some dead people." So I'm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's very good. Yeah. Um, so like right above it is Hellbound Hellraiser Two. Mm-hmm. Mary Lou can't be better than Hellraiser Two, right? No. No. But not. it is a sequel where the title rhymes. I mean, Clive Barker really <laughs> flubbed by saying Hellbound Hellraiser Two. 
He did. It should have been like Hellraiser 2, Hellbound You. For you. (laughs) (laughs) Hellbound (laughs) You. Absolutely. No, no, or like Hellbound Letter U, like it's a university for pain that Pinhead is a professor at. No, it should have been uh, Hellraiser 2 such nightmares in store for you oh, oh like, such, such, such we sights, have such sights we have to show you <laughs> yeah so clearly <laughs> yeah that's a problem clearly oh, no, no, wait, i've got it hellraiser the second christy's not going to heaven and there it's yeah that doesn't rhyme it's a slant slant rhyme second <laughs> you know yeah, it's no, a little listen cre- creative license creative license it is hard end rhyme to mary lou <laughs> okay, but here's the problem. That mm-hmm. means we're saying Jennifer's body is better than Prom Night 2. Ah, see, now I don't agree with that. That is a that is tough. I mean, I like Prom Night 2 for all the wrong reasons, so it's... Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it's... And, and I think that's something we need Same. to be clear of, is it's goofy. Well, look, Dracula 80 1972 is not a good movie. It's just buckwild bananas because yeah. it's... What if Dracula in the 1970s? Right. And above that is Kung Fu Dracula, the the Legend of the Seven Golden Vampires. Hmm. Man, I honestly, I feel like my final answer, because I don't think it's better than The Night Watchman, I feel like I would sandwich it uh, firmly between The Neon Demon and The Night Watchman. Yeah, I think that's that's right in my heart. Mm-hmm. You know yeah, it's I would never argue with that, just because it'd be stupid to. <laughs> <laughs> and also, I'll, I'll acknowledge my irrational hate for the Neon Demon and Nicholas Winding Refn, but that's neither here nor there. No, I, I feel like he punked me in that movie, because Drive mm-hmm. is so good, and then he made oh, yeah. that, and it's like, you were the chosen one. You should have been. Yeah. <laughs> we were rooting for you. We were all rooting for you. Yes. So number 47 on our list now is Prom Night 2, just above the Neon Demon. Yep. Yeah. There it is. Rude, thank you for uh, sitting with us all night and talking about uh, nuts movies. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for having me and for making me refresh my memory of all these bonkers movies because uh, yeah it's it's our holy mission in this world is to say hey remember curtains yeah <laughs> well for me i mean arrow got a sale because i'm gonna buy the evil ed blu-ray for sure now be- oh, same. because because of this podcast where i mean I, I knew i liked the movie but there's so many blu-rays of movies that i like that i can't buy them all but now i need it yeah yeah, yeah. It's... That's my takeaway. That's my takeaway <laughs> from this. Is that I need that I need that Blu-ray. Yep. Yeah. So Drew, where can our listeners find you on the internet? Everywhere. Um <laughs> No, I'm I mean I'm on all social media platforms and I'm fortunate enough to have a name that's not super common, so it's just at Drew Marvick on pretty much every social media platform there is. Yeah, so, and if you don't follow Drew, he's got an A plus Instagram. It's really good. I tr- I try to keep it entertaining, so it's good to know. If I'm doing a good job, then then that makes me feel good. But and they and they can also follow, um, you know, Pool Party Massacre. That's my since that's my most recent project. I know you guys already talked about that, but yes but uh we are constantly standing for pool party massacre if you haven't seen it you need to get on that shit it's great yep yeah um, and and if you want to watch it stains the sands red i, I didn't make it <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, but i but, but i am in it, in it. <laughs> yes 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 i am i do have a i have a a little surprise appearance in another movie that's coming out soon that i'm super excited about that I haven't oh, even damn. that I haven't even seen yet, but uh, that you guys may may end up on on your show. Can you break it, or is this like? Oh yeah, it's not like, like they. I mean, they wouldn't care. They wouldn't care at all. It's such a minor role, but I, I do have a a little guest appearance in Wolf Cop Two. Oh, oh shit! Man. 
And I wasn't. Dude. I I have never. I never said anything be, because I was never sure if it would. You know, if it would be in it. It's such a small. It's such a small role that I, I wasn't sure if it would even make the. If it would end up on the cutting room floor. But now I've suddenly. Now that that's doing screenings and a festival run and doing some screenings in Canada, I've been getting a lot of. Uh, messages from people and tagged in things saying, holy shit, I think I just saw true Marvick in Wolf Cup too. So, <laughs> so I must, I must be in it. I must've made the cut. So, but I haven't, That's I haven't awesome. seen, seen the movie yet. Yeah, no, that was big for me. That was, I, I'm, I'm very excited about to have that in my, on my, like t- my credit list. I could die. I can die now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Excellent. So, hey, we're trying to uh, get some more Instagram followers. We're currently doing a giveaway at Rank and Vile on Instagram. We've got uh, a modest size prize pack, about $17 worth of merch from our sponsors. Uh, we got a DVD. We got a lapel yeah pin. Uh, Alkaline Trejo specifically is the one we're giving away. We got some stickers that a couple people have been cool enough to send us. Um, all you got to do is follow and repost. Go to our Instagram account, Rank and Vile, and you can read the full rules on there. We also have a Twitter account, um, at Rank and Vilecast. Uh, we got some dual usage out of that. Ryan and I tweet from that account. It's fun sometimes to play which person is tweeting which thing. Um, apparently, it's not a very hard game. Anyone can play, no. uh, so check it out. Um, and if you want to get in touch with us, if you're a filmmaker and you want us to review your movie, uh, if you want to be on the show, if you um, have a, mo- a movie that you want to rank, yes, we do take requests. And we're actually scraping the bottom of the barrel of that. So if you want to send us some more requests, we're going to get to those, I promise you. We need to replenish our requests with fresh blood, so please. Yeah. So shoot us an email at rankandvilecast at gmail.com. Oh, and if you want to advertise with us, we want to talk to you. So hit us up. Um, Yep. Uh, I believe that's it. All right. Um, Drew, thanks for being on the show with us. Dude, thanks for having me again. And... Do you, speaking of giveaways, do you guys want to do a pool party massacre giveaway? Fuck yeah, oh, we want to do a pool yeah. party massacre giveaway. We're gonna right. talk when we stop recording. Uh, all we right, will, we will be the we will, we will be the flavor flave to pool party party massacres. Chuck, dude. absolutely <laughs> perfect. <laughs> then then here we go. Week, y'all. <laughs>